Welcome to Whistler While You Retire with Tim Whistler from the Whistler Agency. Here you will learn how Tim helps clients avoid taking unnecessary risks in retirement. With a fiduciary responsibility, Tim's mission is to help retirees and soon-to-be retirees create a greater sense of confidence about their retirement plan. Now, on to the show. This is a podcast about retirement, a wonderful place to be if you have prepared. I'm Patrice Sikora with host Tim Whistler. And one big question that comes up when thinking about moving from full-time employment to the unknowns of retirement is, what's the best age to make the shift? Tim, this is your bailiwick. What is the best age? Patrice, that is a fantastic question. I think that's truly what is on the minds of so many people. And they're just simply are just a plethora of factors that can play into making that transition into retirement. So therefore, that age will understandably vary from one person to another. I I just think it's so important to view this critical decision with purpose and planning rather than just winging it. You know, oh, I'm okay. I got enough money. I'm going to retire. I just think, I just believe that there are so many variables other than how much we've saved for retirement. So I think it's imperative that we are advised and counseled on the factors involved to answering that question rather than basing our decision on emotion only. Like for example, you know, if someone absolutely loves their job, they're going to have a much different view of retirement than the worker who sincerely hates their job. Right. I mean, just, you Mm -hmm. know, of of the two workers, who's going to be the one that quits cold Turkey and says, that's it. I'm done. Right now, there's certainly nothing wrong with emotion playing a role, but it really can't be the major factor in the decision. All right. So what are some of the factors that they really should be considered before you say, all right, either I'm doing it tomorrow or I'm going to wait until whatever age. Exactly. So when I walk with a client through the analysis regarding the retirement income plan, and I think that's the key that we have to understand. Retirement is all about income. We've talked about that time and time again, and we will into the future as well. When I'm walking them through that analysis, I'm reviewing over 20 different factors. Now, I'm not going down a checklist. Okay, Mr. Client, we're at 22. Hang in there. We're almost done. All right. <laughs> it's what I'm doing. It's, it's how I advise a client because those factors will help frame the choice of that optimal retirement age. So just for today's episode, I just kind of want to touch on a, just a few of the factors that really truly play a key role in the assessment of helping a client plan their retirement. All right. Then let's start with number one you've got here. Retirement income. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Might as well start with the best one, right? (laughs) So the question we really need to answer as we're looking at this, how much guaranteed lifetime income do you have? So obviously the first thing comes to mind is, well, do we have a pension? Some of us do, very few anymore. We'll have a pension, okay? So the next obvious one is social security. And we'll talk about that here in just a little bit, okay? Because when you think about spending, what type of you know, spending pattern are we going to look at? So if a person takes a piece of paper and they grab a pen and they just draw a big smiley face, right? Like a big U, it looks like a smile. So it's, that's basically if, if underneath that smile, you draw a line from left to right underneath it, look at that smiley face is how you're going to spend your money in retirement. So here's what I mean by that. In the first years of retirement, we call those the go-go years. We're retired, we're free, we're going to travel, we're going to go visit the grandkids, we're going to be active in retirement, right? So our expenses might be a little bit higher in our retirement years initially because we're out, we're spending money for travel and having spoiling fun. the grandkids, having fun, right? Yeah. 
as time goes on, now we transition in the, into the slow go years. We're slowing down a little bit. We're getting a little bit older. Maybe we don't want to travel. Maybe we're less tolerant of crowds than we used to be, perhaps. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. no. I know I'm getting there. <laughs> so we slow down a little bit. So maybe we're spending a little bit less. And then as we get even older, now we transition into the no-go years. So we're not traveling as much, but maybe our health isn't quite the, the way it used to be. Oh. So now we're spending money again. So it's kind of a smile face is how we spend our money. Okay. Pension maximizations for clients who do have access to a pension and they get handed, you know, 10 pages to say, okay, Joe, here's your pension options. Are you going to include Mary or not? You know, then we look at lump sum. We look at lifetime income. You know, how do the spousal benefits work? You know, we want to really maximize that pension. And I kind of alluded to it just a second ago, but we really want to talk about expenses. We want to make sure that we cover our basic living expenses as well as to identify the expenses for leisure, for the activities, for the fun stuff we're going to do. Mm -hmm. So reti retirement income really is truly, obviously the, the focal point, but we, it's really, really critical that we uncover every, as every aspect in income as well as the expenses. And I'm just so jealous of anybody who's got a pension. I'll tell you that right now. Absolutely. It's a wonderful blessing. And, and that we really got to be very careful with that and make sure that we utilize and leverage that you know, wonderful asset. All right. Risks. Talk to me about that. So risks, <laughs> you know, it is simply imperative that we understand the importance of mitigating risk when we're near and in retirement. I just think far too many people take an imbalanced approach to their risk. Simply put, they just underestimate the damage that risk can do to a plan. And smart people are those who take the key retirement risks off the table. So the resources that I share with my clients help us to identify and remove unnecessary risks. So I want to kind of just key in on just a few of them, okay? Mm -hmm. For the first one's market risk, okay? Quite simply, how should we perceive risk during our retirement years as compared to our working years, okay? We all remember what happened in 2008 and 2000. We keep going back to that. If we're in our working years, what's our reaction? Well, we saw our 401k go down by 30, 40%. It upsets us. But we still but have time. We still have we, time. We're working. We, you got it. You're, you're exactly right. We're, we perceive risk during our working years differently than we should in our retirement years. Because one of the risks involved with the market is what we call sequence of returns risk. Because we don't have that crystal ball in front of us to tell us exactly how things are going to play out, do we know if we're going to retire in an up market or a down market? Well, that so we can have- make all the difference. It's exactly right, Patrice. It sure right. can. So if we retire in a down market and we're drawing income from an assets that, that is depreciating- that's, that's dangerous. We have to make sure we take that risk off the table. So what I really like to encourage people to, to understand is if we use the same vehicle in the distribution phase that was used in the accumulation phase, that could seriously jeopardize the success for the plan. And I just preach this all the time. It's not how much you earn, it's how much you keep. Mm -hmm. We have to identify market risk. Another major risk, we're seeing it right here in front of us today inflation. We're seeing it right before our eyes. And, and, if, and if a person has never done this before, a little fun kind of an equation to do is what they call the rule of 72. If you take 72 and you divide it by three, let's just use three as an example for an inflation rate. Three goes into 72 24 times, which basically means at a 3% inflation rate, 24 years from now, it's going to cost you twice what it costs you today. Okay. It has, it has doubled. So if you're spending $3,000 a month right now, well, we're at 3% inflation rate in 24 years, it's going to cost you six grand. So we need to factor in how are we going to mitigate against inflation during our retirement years? 
And now market risk and inflation are two things we have no control over. You're exactly right. So therefore, we better put together a plan that kind of help us kind of, you know, again, mitigate and identify those types of risks um, because we need to have sources of income and we also need to mitigate risk to avoid taking losses from accounts that are exposed to market volatility. Okay. Right. Another major risk, taxes. Okay. The, the debt, this is something that's, that's fascinating. The truthinaccounting.org is a great website. We look back at the history. This was something I was just on a webinar literally yesterday on this. The debt in, in the United States back in March of 08 was 9.3 trillion. As of this morning, it's 28.8 trillion. It's a 210 wow. percent increase in 13 years. So the question for that is, how are we going to pay that? What do we think tax rates are going to be like in retirement? They're, I don't think they're going to go down, unfortunately. So we have to understand that. what are what are taxes going to be like? You know, if we understand that in previous episodes we talked about what happens when we turn seventy two, right? Your RMDs, your required minimum mm -hmm. distributions. Mm -hmm. You have to start taking that money out. You got to pay your income tax rates. What are income tax rates going to be like when we take money right. out? You know, another risk: survivorship. You know, husband and wife transition into retirement together. And all of a sudden, we have the tragedy where one, is, one spouse passes away. Now we're going through retirement after losing spouse. There's a reduction in expenses possibly, but also a reduction in income because mm -hmm. if, if husband and wife are drawing Social Security, the lesser of the two benefits goes away. And then plus you have the psychological impact of the loss of the spouse. So a survivorship risk is something we need to talk about you know, before it actually happens. And finally, the other risk that I want to identify is what we call longevity. And I firmly believe that this is the multiplier risk, because if you think about this, the longer that you live, the more likely the market's going to crash at some point. Okay. True. True. The longer you live, the more likely you're going to probably need long-term care. Mm -hmm. And the longer you live, the more likely you can withdraw too much money. Oh, you're just full of good things today, aren't you? Aren't I though? I'm just painting this guy. The longer so you live, good, right? look out, people. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and, it, and it's okay. We, we just have to understand because, you know, the life expectancy today for a 65-year-old couple is 30 years. Wow. And, and I think far too many people just, we, we stop and think about this. Well, yeah, we are living a little bit longer. Why? Because medicine's a little bit better. Technology is a little bit better um, for people who are happy in retirement. They're living longer. So my whole point, it's not a bad thing. We just need to plan for it. Okay. Market's going to crash. You're going to need long-term care, withdrawing too much money. <laughs> Jeez. All right. It's a lot of things to plan for there. Gives you kind of a second thought. Well, really, do I want to live that long? <laughs> <laughs> yes. That, that quality of life. Right. Exactly. Right. And so you're living longer. Do you have insurance? Yes, ma'am. That wonderful title of insurance, that definition. So if I'm sitting down with some folks who are before, you know, before pre-Medicare, what I call pre-Medicare. They're, they're not quite Medicare eligible. The main question we have to ask is, what are we going to do for health insurance if we're retiring before Medicare eligible? If, if husband and wife are going to retire, is one spouse going to remain in the workforce? So therefore the retiring spouse can draw health benefits from their working spouse. But if neither one are going to have access to group benefits, we have to understand that expense because that will rock an expense plan in a hurry. Um, if we're coming off of group benefits and we're used to paying two, $300 a month, now all of a sudden we have to go to the open market and spend what, three times that, four times that? We have to, call, we have to understand that. When we are eligible for Medicare, and we talked about this back in episodes five and six, so we'll, right. just, we'll kind of hit on it again. But again, you know, how we are going to spend our time in retirement 
may really be a good litmus test and an indicator for what type of option we want to select. Do we want to go Medicare supplement and standalone drug plan? Or do we want to go with the part C, which is the Medicare Advantage plan where everything is all bundled together? So again, we want to, we want to understand what Medicare options are available and, and what's it going to cost us. And then of course, like you said, Patrice, the elephant in the room, long-term care. Mm-hmm. And for the fact that you and I are simply having a conversation and our listeners tuning in, and this is not being directed to any one person, I can be a little more bold here than I would be in person with anybody because I'm going to flat out say, here's a key planning point. A plan that does not include long-term care expenses is an incomplete plan, period. And we need to go back to episodes 13 and 14 where Bill Bill Comfort and I talked about that and understanding that health insurance is a critical and a key element in the retirement income plan. And the longer you wait to get it? The more expensive it can be. Yeah. And what are we talking about these days? Well, you know, we can, you know, we have the option of looking at an asset-based approach or the traditional health insurance-based approach. And one is not better than the other. They, both, they just work a little bit differently. And so it's a matter, like, for example, if, if we're going through an analysis and a client maybe, have, maybe has $100,000 sitting off to the side, and I ask the question, okay, Joe and Mary, what's that $100,000 for? Well, maybe just in case, you know, for if we get sick or if we, if we need care. Okay. Well, we could utilize that asset, pivot it from one bucket of money to another bucket of money and give it an opportunity so that it's worth more than $100,000 so they could spend that down if one or both needed care. And the beautiful thing about that is if they don't spend all that down that's in that bucket, those funds get transferred to beneficiaries as a tax-free life insurance benefit. It's fantastic. But for the other couple, maybe who doesn't have that type of asset sitting over there, but they're concerned, you know, there are ways in which, in which we could mitigate against long-term care expenses by spending maybe, you know, $150, $300 a month, therefore, on a traditional plan that offers maybe, you know, $1,000 to $2,000 or $3,000 a month for expenses if they should show up. So there are ways to certainly to address that. All right. Okay. The next topic is probably the most, the biggest puzzle that I have really come across. Social security, you think it's so simple. It is not. That's absolutely right. It, it truly is. And I'm working on that. I'm going to be, I think we're going to be starting to put together a plan. We're going to record a couple of episodes on this because it is so important. One of the resources that I use as I share information with people and continue to hone, hone my skills and, and knowledge comes from the American College of Financial Services. In fact, I'm working on uh, another designation right now. I'm a candidate for another designation that I'm working on. So obviously a lot of the training is coming from this and we talked about social security. It's amazing when we look at the statistics where social security provides more than 50% of retirement income for two and three retirees. That's not a lot of money most of the time. I know. You're exactly right. It's not. And, and then what's even more staggering is that it provides 90% of income for one out of every three. You know, then you look at, you look at widows. You know, this, is, this is why when I go through this, when we sit down and start talking about Social Security, I'm just trying to help people understand. I'm not, I'm not set on a hard, fast rule that we have to delay, delay, delay. That's not how I advise. We just have to look at all the factors. We need to understand that Social Security provides a lifetime of income. It provides survivorship benefits. Mm-hmm. We also have to understand, however, that up to 85% of the benefits can be taxed. Mm-hmm. So we talked about that earlier. Okay, if, if we're going to turn on RMDs or we have to start taking minimum distributions out at 72, we know RMDs count as income. The income is taxable and that taxable income may cause your benefits to be taxed. 
Okay. So, so therefore, if we have years ahead of us, we might want to look at delaying turning on benefits while spending down and or converting tax deferred money to tax-free benefits to help leverage social security benefits. Because I'm not going to put you on the spot, Patrice, but I'll let you have a fun guess at this. What do you think the percentage of increase in benefits is with, if we delay from 62 to 70? How much of the benefit increase do you think that is if we delay from 62 to 70? Well, let's see. If it goes up 8% a year, I'm guessing nice. It's a nice increase. You're right. <laughs> it is. It's a very nice number. A delay from age 62 until 70 will increase benefits by 76%. That's incredible. It is incredible. And it's one that needs to be taken seriously because far too often, I just want to under, you know, far too often I see people slip into that temptation of having that emotional entitlement mindset. Well, I've paid into it all these years. I'm going to turn on as soon as I have access to it. Right. Well, again, it's your money. It's not mine. And I'm going to sleep very well tonight, regardless of your decision. However, let's look at this from an educational approach rather than just an emotional approach, especially if we have a spouse involved. So you're exactly right. We're going to hit on this in, in future episodes and really drill deep into understanding the world of social security and how important of a role it will play in our retirement. Quickly talk about the spouse. You just mentioned that. Why is that so important? It's very important because normally, in a, it doesn't matter gender. One, be, one benefit is probably going to be more than the other benefit. Okay, So two reasons why I say this. Number one, if a spouse is going to pass away prior to the other, I should say when a spouse passes away prior to the other, the lower of the two benefits, the smaller of the two benefits will also be taken away. You know, let's say one benefit is $2,000 a month and the other benefit is $1,200 a month. Okay, One spouse passes away, the $1,200 a month benefit goes to, which only right. leaves us the 2000 So right off the bat, we yeah. just lost what, 14, almost $15,000 of income. Yeah. Okay. That's critical because if, if like we just talked about, if more than 50% of retirement income is being provided by social security for two out of every three retirees, don't we think we better plan for that? Because if all of a sudden, if one spouse unexpectedly passes away in their sixties and the other spouse potentially has the opportunity to live for another two decades or so, that's a long time to be living off of, off of Social Security. So we want to make sure that we truly understand and, and calculate the options that are available to us to help optimize the Social Security benefits. Can you keep working while you're receiving Social Security? That is a fantastic question. And the answer is yes. How it impacts our Social Security benefit determines when we turn it on. So for example, Social Security uses what they call a full retirement age factor. And depending upon what year we were born determines what our full retirement age benefit is. So for example, I don't have those ages right in front of me, but let's say for example, our full retirement age is 67. Okay. If we turn on the social security benefits at 62 and we still want to work, we, we need to understand that there is a cap that social security will place upon us as far as how much income we can earn before it starts to negatively impact our benefits. But once we hit the full retirement age benefit, then the, the cap is, is different. It's actually, most of the time it's removed from the, from the standpoint of, you know, if you're drawing social security benefits and you want to work too, as long as you've achieved your full retirement age, it really doesn't, it's not impact as, as much as it is if you turn it on prior to your full retirement age. And that impact can be pretty substantial. That's exactly right. Yeah. So again, that's one of the questions that I ask somebody, you know, when, when, we're, when we're kind of going in through this, and this is a great transition into my fifth point here, what are we going to do in retirement? Are we going to work a little bit just because we're retiring from maybe a 40 plus hour work week? Does that mean we're done completely earning W-2 wages? 
not all, not really, not too much. Some people like to, well, I want to stay busy. I want to, you know, I don't want the the wives are like, no, get him out of here. He's going to be in my way. (laughs) (laughs) Go find something to do, you know, go make a thousand dollars a month. Well, that's fine. But we kind of want to factor all that in because like you said, if we turn on social security early and then we maybe all of a sudden our expertise is available at another company. They're like, hey, you are so good at this. We've we've been following you for so many years. Would you come and consult with us? Sure. We'll just ask you to work 25 hours a week. Okay, great. All of a sudden, boom, they're making another 50 grand a year. Oh, yeah. And they've already turned on Social Security. That may not be the best decision. So that's why one of the questions that I walk a client through when we're doing the analysis is, okay, describe for me what your day is going to look like. Are you going to work some, little, or none? And especially if we're below full retirement age, we really truly want to factor in that lifestyle when it comes to earned income and the relationship it has with social security. And I wouldn't be surprised if somebody says, oh, I'm going to retire. I'm going to play golf and I'm going to be happy and, and wonderful. And three months into it, they say, hey, you want fries with that? Let me find a job. You know? That's right. I'm bored. I got to go I'm do something. Bored. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right, Tim, what questions should our listeners be thinking about when they contemplate retirement? You know, here's just a few, you know, one of the things that we need to also understand about retirement is the, the adapting to it, you know, yeah. the, the social element of retirement. If, if you think about the social element of working all those years, we worked either in the office or on the factory line or with clients, you know, there's a social element. All of a sudden you take that away, right? Um, now we're living full-time. You can become a curmudgeon. Exactly. That's exactly right. You know, we're living full-time at home. I mean, there, there are times when, I ha- when I'm having conversations with folks at their kitchen table, sometimes I feel like I need to put on a referee shirt. You know, sometimes it's like, you know, it's not that bad. I'm, I'm obviously exaggerating, but, you know, it's fun, that dynamic of husband and wife, all of a sudden now the spouse who was working all these hours per week is now home full-time. That's a, that's a different adaptation. So I think some good questions to think about this is define what retirement means to you. That word retirement is different for everybody. So define it, you know, sit down with pen and paper and what does retirement look like for you? Then think about, okay, what do I or we, if we're talking husband and wife together, what do I want to do in retirement? Like you said, do, am I going to play golf? Am I going to, you know, pick up a new hobby? Am I going to volunteer? Are we going to travel and see the grandkids? Right, Are going to travel right. and see the world? You know, what do I want to, what, what's my day going to look like in retirement? Okay. And then, like I said earlier, will I quit work altogether or will I work part-time for a few years? And if so, what type of earned income are we kind of forecasting? Okay. When we're not working, what do you want to do with your leisure time? Because will that leisure time be free? Oh, I want to catch on, I want to catch up on some books or I want to binge watch some series of TV. Okay. Those don't cost us money, but maybe I want to pick up a new hobby. I want to do some woodworking. Okay. Well, I need to go buy some saws and I got to go buy some boards and everything. Okay. That's, that's leisure time, but it's going to be expense. So have we factored that expense? Mm -hmm. If you're married, when is your spouse retiring? Is it going to be a joint retirement? We're going to quit the exact same day and and hit the cruise the next weekend, or is it going to be a difference? Is it going to be a staggered retirement for husband and wife? And again, like we said before, I want to hit this a second time. If you're retiring before you're eligible for Medicare, what is the plan for health insurance? And that is key again. Uh, health insurance, I can't talk about it enough when you're older, of course, but even when you're in middle age, yep. approaching retirement, health insurance is a must. It's a must. We, we, we can't be without it, but at the same time, we got to make sure we can afford it. So we, we have to kind of help prepare for that conversation. All right, Tim, what's your process to help folks get in, getting ready for this critical decision? Well, hopefully I'm not coming across as being so structured on these episodes that they feel like, man, this, this guy's going to 
put us through a presentation. And it's not like that at all. <laughs> I, I, and I'm, I'm peeling back a lot of layers here, but you know, it's simply a conversation. That, that's truly what it all boils down to. It, it's, it's a series of conversations that are broken down over a period of time. You know, for because I walk through a very systematic process, but again, it's all hinged around having a conversation. Like, you know, we're going to get acquainted. I like to get to know them. Like to know what they're going to plan on doing. At the same time, they need, they need to get to know me. You know, why do I do what I do? You know, how did I get in this business? What what is my philosophy on risk? How do I what do I feel about optimizing a pension or social security? You know, so we get acquainted. We get acquainted. Then we go through a data gathering. Okay, let's let's look at your assets. Let's talk about what income you're going to have. What guaranteed streams of income will you have? What are your expenses going to look like? What liabilities, if any, do you have? Mm-hmm. That's, Pete, that's a good question. Good question. Could be a really big one, right? If, if we're spending something down, you know, do we do we wipe out a home mortgage with that's left with eighty thousand dollars in one fell swoop out of our four hundred one k? Well, I don't know. Let's look at that, mm-hmm. right? Then we set the recommendation. So now, after we've gathered some facts, I provide a very simple current scenario. Here are, here is the analysis from the facts that you shared with me. Okay, now let's start going through and set that foundation. Let's start breaking that down and rebuilding it. Okay. What if this happens? Okay. I want my clients to describe retirement with blue skies, rainbows, rainbows, and unicorns, right? It's, it's perfect. (laughs) It's the utopia. And then I'm going to bring in the storm clouds. Okay. Well, what if this happens? And what if this happens? Because we have to identify and address those. Mm -hmm. And then we can implement the plan. And then once we've implemented the plan, then we obviously there's ongoing monitoring the plan. So, you know, my advice for folks, if they're self directing their retirement, or they already work with an advisor, by all means, do yourself a favor, get a second opinion. You work too hard for too long to expose your plan to unexpected risks. Make sure that your plan is being evaluated and reviewed by a specialist who helps clients successfully navigate this distribution phase of life. All right, Tim, that's you. How can people reach you? They can reach me a couple different ways. Uh, Phone number is 309-291- 0491. They can, of course, find me online at thewhistleragency.com. And they can also send me an email, which is quite simply tim at thewhistleragency.com. And there is no T in Whistler. That's true. That's true. Tim (laughs) Whistler, host of this podcast, Whistler While You Retire. Subscribe to get alerts to new episodes. Please share with friends and colleagues and even family. And of course, like and comment. If you have a question, let us know. I'm Patrice Sikora, and let's talk again later. Thank you for listening to Whistler While You Retire. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the Whistler Agency. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. SEC, Registered Investment Advisor, Insurance Consulting, and Education Services offered through the Whistler Agency. The Whistler Agency is a separate and unaffiliated entity from Simplicity Wealth, LLC.